world, and welcome to another episode of the Inside Ride, a top 20 training podcast. My name is Kevin Brennan, soon to be joined by my partner, Tom Cody. We're from Top 20 Training, a social and emotional learning company. We provide on-site trainings and products and materials to help schools, teachers, administrators, paraprofessionals, students, coaches, parents, etc., as well as businesses, think, learn, and communicate more effectively. So, www.top20training.com if you want more info or reach out to us at info at top20training.com. All right, enough of that. Episode 42. Very excited to have our dear friend Joe Beckman on the podcast today. He fights for kids. He fights for connections. He's a speaker and an author, and you can find him at joebeckman.com or till360.com, T-I-L-L 360.com. You know what? He's way better at explaining who he is. Let's get him going. Thanks so much for being along for this week's ride. Well, hello, everybody. It's Tom Cody and Kevin Brennan with the Inside Ride, that little ride you take every day between your earlobes that pretty much determines the outcome of your experiences and keeps you healthy, happy, and effective. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Tip top, Tom. You like that alliteration? You can't take the yeah, English teacher looks- out of me. No, and the alliteration is something you're going to use a lot if you teach a 10th grader that. That's going to be really useful yeah. in assisted living. We would call later. that the keys to life, knowing alliteration. You can break it down further to assonance and consonants, vowel sounds, consonant letters, or yeah, you can just say that's not very relevant. <laughs> that's not very relevant, but neither are fractions or photons at the periodic table of the War of 1812. So, But we're going to keep teaching that because it's a standard. Yep. There you and go. We're not going to do the stuff that Joe Beckman and Top 20 want to do in schools because we're busy. Kevin, introduce our guest, Joe. Fact. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to have Joe Beckman on the podcast today. Joe and I have crossed paths numerous times over the years, but very recently we were both speaking at the Minnesota Association of Secondary School Principals Conference, and Joe uh, was on right before me. And then sat in on my session, which was a gift, because he is definitely the guy you want front and center when you're speaking. Um, So yeah, I'd love to introduce Joe Beckman. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing awesome. I'm really excited that I get to share some some space with the two of you and have a conversation and just talk about what's going on in the world. Perfect, perfect. So Joe, why don't you, um, some people are going to know who you are that listen to this podcast, but why don't you just give give an overview, short or long, of, of who you are, what you've been doing, perhaps how you have stayed connected with us at Top 20 and more specifically even Paul Burnaby over the years. And then we'll we'll just start asking some questions, see where the conversation goes. Absolutely. And it's interesting how sometimes life and many times how life um, puts people in front of you at different times and then connects you back to those people at different parts of your journey. And so um, to say that I'm connected to Top 20 is kind of an understatement in the sense that Uh, Paul Burnaby uh, was my high school counselor. I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota, a little suburb called West St. Paul. And uh, because my brother sometimes needed some extra guidance, my parents decided that St. Thomas Academy would be a good fit for him. And because I was the younger brother, I sort of followed in his footsteps. And uh, we were athletes growing up and we were pretty good athletes. My dad coached, my sister played, my mom was you know, there every weekend supporting the whole crew. And at St. Thomas Academy, I was going to, I was going to let people know of my athletic prowess um, 
Unfortunately, about two <laughs> weeks into my basketball career, Paul Burnaby said, you didn't even make the first cut. Oh, uh, and so uh, I realized that maybe sports wasn't going to be my path, but uh, my story sort of guided me there organically. Um, my freshman year, I suffered an injury um, and I was not able to play football any longer. And I was crushed and devastated because sports was everything to me. I got cut from the basketball team on top of that. And I was yeah. just kind of swimming and figuring out uh, who am I and what am I all about? And about a year later, I was sitting in my sophomore year English class when a woman walks in named Wendy Shorthazen. She was the theater director at the all-girls school down the road visitation, and she was trying to recruit more actors, specifically male actors, for the upcoming musical. And uh, if you're not playing sports and you've ever wanted to do this, maybe you should give it a shot. And I wasn't playing sports, and I always have wanted to do it. My mom would take us to the children's theater every year. And even as a kid, I thought to myself, someday I, I could see myself doing something like that. But sports was always my number one. Uh, but then when it was gone and I had this opportunity, I tried out for this play against every thought in my head that said, you're going to fail. You're going to get laughed at. You are an athlete, not an actor. Yeah. Uh, but I tried out and I got a part. And the first day I stood on that stage at that first rehearsal, something clicked in my head. And I said, I think this is a better path for you. Um, and through just, you know, how life happens in different circumstances and opportunities that get presented your way, I continued down that theater path wanting to be an actor and do a lot in Hollywood and make it on TV and in commercials. Um, yeah. But I also had this passion for kids. And See, ever me... since I was younger, I was always good with kids and I would always get that compliment. And so it was this weird sort of mixture of this is kind of what I'm good at and this is what I'm super passionate about. And I found some opportunities where I could work with kids doing theater and then uh, that morphed into leading retreats for a nonprofit in St. Paul, Minnesota, Youth Frontiers. And then about mm -hmm. seven years ago, I got the scratch or the itch or the itch or the scratch, whatever you say, to get out on my own and just see if this is something I could create um, with some of my own ideas and where my heart was going. And that has sort of led me to this so where we're at today, um, which there's more iterations to the story from there. But just to kind of summarize it, this is how uh, we got to this point. And, and what we started doing is go. To, we went to these conferences and we started supporting educators from, you know, elementary principals to social workers to counselors. And we kept coming across top 20 at these conferences. And man, it was like Paul and I kept running into each other and he kept breathing life into me and kind of giving me some confidence and then I kept, you know, seeing Tom at different conferences and we would connect. And and finally, I had the privilege and the honor of, of listening to you, Kevin. And it was so awesome to sit in your session. So awesome to hear how you present, how you engage, the content that you're providing, the inspiration that is so necessary. But also what I really loved about your presentation was the application. It wasn't just motivation for the heart. It was also application for the hands and um, it was really, really awesome to see you in action. And so it's really fun to be a part of this and cool. kind of continue that conversation. And, um, you know, we're both, our organizations are doing great thing in education and we're working alongside each other. And I think it's just an awesome opportunity that we can continue to support um, educators and ultimately kids at the end of the day who that's who I fight for the most. So Love I'm excited. It.
Love it. Hey, well, a couple things in the midst of that. If the, if you yeah. ever get cut from a team of any sorts or are told that maybe this isn't the right path, Paul is the one you want to be told by. You know Absolutely. what I mean? He's he, he's very direct, but he's also you you feel like, "Wow, okay. This is thank you for clarifying my life in this moment because Paul has that ability." Number 2, sure does. good for you because one of my biggest regrets where I'm at right now in life was that I never stepped on a theater in high school. And it was yeah. because of what you talked about. I we we call them OPOs, other people's opinions. I was I had a bunch of self-doubt going on in my head and I was like, what are my friends going to say? What is it? You know, so I just never did it. I just never yeah. did it. So so I missed a big chunk of growth opportunities at a younger age, which is a bummer. So I'm so glad you you were able to silence those little voices and and persevered through it. Um, so here you are, you're speaking, you're, you're, you're following your heart and your heart says fight for kids. Um, say a little more about that. What do you mean fight for kids and, and how is speaking helping you do that? Yeah. Um, I will say this. When we first started, it was just me and my brother-in-law. He did all the backend stuff and helped run and kind of manage the business. And I was the front man and, and things were going well in the sense that what I was good at, I was good at being on a stage and making an impact for 60 minutes. And man, that led some ripple effects and it was really great. And we were starting to grow. And then about three years ago, or even three years into this journey, when we were on our own, I ran into a principal, pretty smart guy, principal of the year in 2018. And his name was Kurt Slater. And we sat down and I wanted to pick his brain and honestly hope he would book me to come to his school to speak to his kids. And in yeah, less yeah. than seconds, he said, you're good, uh, but you're not that good. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, what are you providing? If I were to invest you know, my energy and resources into bringing in a Joe Beckman or a Kevin Brennan or a Tom Cody into my school, what, what are you providing afterwards for my staff, for my parents, so that this isn't just a message that dies on the vine? What are you providing afterwards. And a one day impact is good. But if you really want to impact a culture long term, that's a that's a three to five year investment that is more than just motivational talks. It also has to include professional development. And it has to include, you know, building leadership teams and a scope and a sequence and all these uh, acronyms and different phrases that he was throwing out in the education space. And I said, man, you got a really, you got a lot of really good ideas, Kurt Slater. We need you on our team. And he was just getting out of education at the time and looking to do more consulting and speaking. And we had a small platform and we sort of came together and ultimately that we fight for kids phrase is Kurt as a building administrator. That is was his sort of motto that he had to remember day in and day out because it's not an easy job. You have a lot of people when you make a decision, when you're in an administration role that love that decision. And then there's another 50% that really think that's the worst decision ever. And then it flip flops with every decision. And so uh, in the midst of it, his, uh, his kind of guiding compass was that phrase of, you know, I fight for kids. And, um, and so everything that we do from a systems and practices side of things to a deepening within uh, building, you know, culture, strong culture within a school, or even through our videos, or even our, our keynotes, ultimately, our goal is to, you know, support the kiddos that maybe don't have as much support. And if we can do that by supporting educators and parents along the way, we think that's yep. sort of best practice. 
Yeah, it's interesting, Joel, that you mentioned the the no one hit wonders. It, my evolution as a speaker, and I've been doing this a long time, was I love the hundred chances a year to go bop into a place and everybody laughs and oh, that's best PD ever, which isn't saying much because it's better. Right. Than, it's better than bloodborne pathogens. They think you're that's great. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. So that was, but COVID changed everything, kind of for me. I. I, uh, uh, briefly, what I just did yesterday is kind of what I've been doing now, mostly since COVID is I'm going to a town or a place to speak, uh, get a hotel room, usually not a great one, <laughs> but mm-hmm. now I'm having dinner with a couple teachers or the principal. That's just part of the training. I want to yeah. make this more than just a one hit deal. Next morning, I'm doing only half a day now. I'm not doing full days anymore. It's too much for teachers. They're all freaked out. You can't find a sped teacher in Montana anywhere. Uh, so we now do eight to noon. Then lunch with the admin team and the, t- the you know the first adapter people, the, 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 the movers, the shakers in school. We get to sit down with 10 people in a room, talk about what's next. How can we make this stick? Next, since they paid me for the day, the afternoon is goodbye, and I'm going to Zoom with you twice in the next two months and see what's stuck. But you you hit it right on the head. The old model of come in and wow everybody and expect change is absurd. Teachers have too much going on. They, principals are too busy. They don't have any bus drivers and they want you to come in and change their culture, you know? Yeah, so, and I, I in some ways it, it... It has to stick. And so much of the stuff is like Teflon. It rolls right out of the pan, you know? Right. When, so thanks, thanks for... Thanks for thinking about schools in terms of let's make a difference. And until you act, there's no difference. Absolutely. And there's, I, so, there's so much shifting too when it comes to where people move and building leadership roles. And if everything, if you don't build the culture within and it just lives with one person who's got the rah rah shish kumba or whatever, the yeah. plan or the process, and they take the job they can't, you know, pass up in Hawaii because it got, you know, uh, allocated to them or whatever. You don't want the whole thing going with them. You want to build it, like you said, within with those champions, those movers and those shakers so that they can disseminate the information and so that it kind of trickles all the way down, like I said, into into the lives of kids. Yeah. Yeah. And and working with kids is it's difficult especially if you're on your contract it says i'm a english teacher or math teacher or whatever it's difficult because you have that portion of it deliver content but no disrespect to to teachers that if that's all you're if that's all you have to accomplish it's it's kind of cut and dry i'm not saying yeah. it's easy but it's cut and dry but but you have human beings coming into your room that are absolute puzzles and you have to figure out the puzzle all for the all for the sense of making sure they know that they matter to you and making sure they're validated for who they are. But then that unlocks the brain. So you can do this thing called teach content. And you, you think about that, you got the content, you got the human and to do it well, you have to check both boxes. That is difficult. You know, it was, it was easier to just stick with the lesson plan and, and just, 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 just get Shakespeare out. That was, that was easier than doing both, you know? So, yeah. so it's 
anytime we can fuel these educators for the magic they work is is a is a true gift you know and i think joe i think i think that's the gift you bring to educators and to people working with kids um and i and and that's crucially important and, and so you go out there and you speak and you speak to you speak to both kids correct and you speak to adults correct. you know so yep. it's like we get that fuel and and educators do need to be fueled you know what i mean just like kids do but educators need to be fueled and not always from a place of um of standard based teaching or this new rollout of the web grading system all of that's important but we have to fuel we have to fuel so what joe what would folks see when you when you hit the stage when you when you step forward to to deliver well let's let's talk about cata for a second because and yeah. a lot of folks don't know what cata is california association of directors of activities correct gentlemen is that right. what it stands for? okay so big conference in reno this year joe um we we rubbed shoulders with joe last year at this conference it's coming up at the beginning of march um joe you're keynoting there um you don't have to let the secret out of what you're giving there but in general what what are people gonna see what are people gonna gonna feel what what's kind of what's kind of your deal just so, yeah. so we can get a sense of that it's well it's gonna be an experience uh and that's kind of what i i don't it's it, yes it's a talk and it's a keynote but it's also um it's music right i have my guitar that i bring in uh, a, a big part of my message honestly is around the importance of human connection which you don't have to convince people that that's an important thing in 2024. It's like saying, do you like puppies? It's like, you're going to get mostly head nods on that. <laughs> and so in some ways it's just confirmation and affirmation that so many of the people that are in that room who do value those extra moments where they can build that relationship or standing outside in the hallway, high-fiving kids or coming up with fun nicknames or whatever it may be to build those connections. A lot of these teachers who are coming to this conference, those are the people that are already doing it. But yeah. sometimes in the busyness, it's hard to remember how important that is, or there might be somebody who rolls their eyes at you and says, why do you do that? Like, it's not in the handbook. It doesn't matter. And sometimes that can get sort of beaten out of us over time. And so in many ways, what I'm here to try to do is, you know, confirm and affirm that everything that they're doing from that side of things is incredibly important. It matters. And in the busyness of everything, sometimes we can forget that there's a huge return on that investment. And so I want to affirm and confirm the work that they're doing. Um, but I also want to weave in this idea that when we do this work together, we can do some really, really great things that, yep. And it's hard because a lot of these people are the the champions in their building. They're the Big activities time. director and they might not have a team of people that they can go to um, to really support them. And so when we're at this conference, I want to remind them that the people on their left and at their right, they're the people that they can use to build, you know, a team of champions for themselves. And you know, this conference, what is so amazing about it is that it is people who are coming together from, you know, different parts of the state and the human connection element that's just built in and weaved into the conference uh, is pretty magical. And watching these people work together doing this job that is really, really hard, reminding them that their efforts matter. And when we do it together, we can really do great things. And then bringing that into the keynote. 
Love Don't it. just talk about human connection, but bring it in. How do you do that? Well, you can do that in a couple different ways. I use guitar. Mm -hmm. And so there'll be a couple times where I'll say, hey, um, there's a few of you who, if uh, you were at a karaoke bar right now and you had to pick one person to be the person to go up, it would be you. And we'll get those people to stand up and people cool. laugh and clap for them. And then I'll say, hey, listen, like your job is to sing the song with me, but your other job is to make sure everybody around you who just voted you to stand up, that they're also singing. Because if we catch them not singing, then we're going to have to bring them up on stage and do a solo. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. And so before you know it, you have 2000 people who are singing country roads, arms around their oh. neighbors, back and forth in human connection. And in many ways, with a group like that, you could probably convince them they before they got into the room, they might do something fun. Oh, yeah. But when I speak for paraprofessionals or for custodians or for the state uh, nutrition experts, the lunch ladies of Iowa, if you were to tell them they're going to be arm in arm in less than 15 minutes in human connection together singing, they'd say, um, go fly a kite. But yeah. when you can weave it in there in a way that sort of makes it non-negotiable. Um it, it's pretty magical of what can happen like when that is weaved in. And so we talk cool. about human connection, but I think it's really important as a speaker that we model it as well. Yeah. We'll talk about growth mindset. And I think it's really important that I model that, which yeah. is what I do with my guitar. I am not a great guitar player yet. <laughs> someday I want to be. And the only way I know if I can get there is if I fail and screw up. And so, yep. I'm going to model this thing called growth mindset because someday, um, oh, I just think it's one of those things as adults, I want to remind them that, you know, when we model what we are asking for from kids, that they're watching that and they see that and it means something to them. Uh, and so I try to be a model of what I'm talking about in my keynote, whether it's human connection, whether it's growth mindset, whether it's gratitude, um, whatever it may be that we're talking about, I try to weave that into the keynote so that it's an actual part of the experience. Beautiful. And I love the confirm and affirm. Sometimes yeah. sometimes that just gives life to to educators, to food and nutrition specialists, to office professionals. You know, affirm what they're doing matters, you know? Yeah. And you I think big. sometimes we overthink it as speakers. Tom and Kevin, you might both have seen this in your journey as well, that earlier on, especially speaking to teachers, I thought I had to be the smartest person in the room. And I thought that I needed to take them with whatever topic, if they were at a one through 10, if they were at like a level two in their journey on that topic, I thought my job was to get them to a level eight or a nine. And I had to really show how smart I was around this topic. But what I've learned is that people don't want to go from a two to an eight or a nine. What, what they really want is to go from a two to a three. Sure. And so basic and less is more. A lot of times in the keynote, you, I realize I, I don't have to overthink it as much. And I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. In fact, in some ways, uh, I'm more relatable uh, when I'm not trying to yeah. be that more real and authentic. Cool. I've never been the smartest person in the room, number one. <laughs> Either have I. Right? <laughs> Tom may have. Tom's got this weird genius thing in his brain. but uh, yeah, That's know. great as long as it's a math class. Not, <laughs> not so much with empathy and love. Yeah. Hey, uh, Joe, a couple things. One, everybody's listening from the West Coast or going to CADA. Make sure you find top 20 at our booth. Find Joe at his. I think, Joe, you're called the happy cave guy. Yeah, no, so that's that's interesting. We're that's that's the evolution. Um, we're now, now you look up. Now you're looking up. 
Till 360. Till 360 is the name of our organization. Teach, inspire, listen, learn. 360 stands for the sense that we we take a holistic 360 degree approach when we work in districts. So yeah, Till 360. So to find you, they could just put Joe Beckman in and I'll lead them to Till 360 anyways. Till360.com? Yeah, Till360.com is where they can learn more uh, about just the organization as a whole and what we're doing. Cool. Tell me about Look Up. You got the on the web. What's that all about? Oh, yeah. that's great. That was in my notes to go there. So real quick, I know Tom said, "Tell me about it." But these three words that that Joe's going to dig into is they resonate with me incredibly well. In fact, I just told my wife about it yesterday. I said, "Yeah, we're having this guy on tomorrow." And three words, Gina. Three words. She's like, "What are the three words?" I said, "Just look up," and she immediately yeah. went, "Boom, got it." So t- talk to us. Yeah, um, we're addicted period. And that's the easiest way for me to get to it. And it's not the cigarette and it's not, you know, the other vices it's, it's the screen. And my analogy is this, when it comes to this addiction and how backwards we are right now and how little we know 1979, Tom and Kevin was, I was born at St. Joseph's hospital in St. Paul, Minnesota, 1979. The doctor looked at my mom and said, Kathy Beckman, congratulations. You have a healthy baby boy, rest and relax. And what that meant to my mom in 1979, rest and relax was to pull out a cigarette and to smoke it (laughs) in the hospital room that she just had me in. (laughs) And nobody would have come in and said, put that out. They would have given her an ashtray in 1979. That's how little we knew about that addiction And now we look back with all the wisdom in the world and say, what morons smoking in restaurants and airplanes and hospitals did they not know? And the truth is they didn't. We didn't know what was going on until we find out that later there's this big entity, big tobacco, and they're putting things in these products and now we're hooked and it's the consequences that go down from there. Well, big tobacco has been replaced by big tech and Mm. there are people making millions of dollars putting little things in this product that make us addicted to it. Every ring, ding, notification has been strategically designed for us to look down. And it's really, really good at what it does. 8.5 hours a day is the average amount of time a high school kid is looking at a screen. And what we've seen, I always say, like, if that wasn't a problem, I would say, keep looking down, right? I don't care, whatever. I think human, you know, human connection, but if, if this wasn't an issue, but it is what we're starting to see is every single mental health related symptom since these have been saturated into our market has spiked tremendously. Anxiety, depression, self-harm, ideation. The average age of depression used to be 30 years old. In 2024, it's 14 and a half. It's been cut in half. And then we start talking about some of the downward spirals that that brings. And I'm not saying that all phones are the cause of all of that or whatever, but what we're starting to see is that human connection isn't a wish or a want. It's a need. We need it like oxygen. And when we stop having it or we stop looking for it, things go south pretty quick. And so the message of just look up is a call and a challenge for us to intentionally live in balance with these screens, to see them as a a tool that help us get things done, but not a companion that we can't live without. And certainly do not replace 
any virtual or any real life friendship with a, a virtual friendship or a real life connection with a virtual one, because it's, it's just not the same. And so um, being a, as a voice of trying to combat the sort of mm -hmm. system that we're seeing right now that is getting us to look down, I'm screaming from the roof, rooftops, just look up. Love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. It's become such a <clears throat> such a survival strategy for kids and adults. But you know, you could walk into a classroom as a kid, and if you're staring at your screen, you're normalized, and it also shields them from not having a friend, maybe, or not having a connection with someone else. It's like or oh, not if having I just... to try to make a friend, right? Not having. So you talk about resilience <clears throat> yeah. and the lack of it right now in 2024. Where does that come from? It's mm -hmm these little micro doses that we sort of had to get when we stood at the bus stop and there was nothing else to do, but talk to each other yep. or, you know, whatever, sit in the DMV and not be tied to, you know, one of your games on your phone and actually, you know, look around and sort of embrace boredom and come up with some creative ideas um, on our own. And I think when we rob kids, specifically kids, it's like, it's like we're, we're taking away that, the the muscle that they need in order to you know deal with bigger things that are going to happen in life ask any adult ask any teacher is resilience an important thing when you're 50 or 60 or 7 they're going to say yes but if we're not building that muscle along the way um you know it's hard to take on those hard things and so yeah it's just those little micro doses of disconnection that's i, I sort of compare it to tetris back in the day mm. with the nintendo it's like you know, any, any one disconnection, no big deal. But when you start to stack them like week after week, month after month, when literally the first thing we do is pick up our screen. And the last thing we do is put it down at night, these disconnections start to stack. And, um, for so many kids, I hate to use this analogy, but it's starting to feel like game over. Like it does mm -hmm. when those Tetris blocks stack, eventually the game's over. Um, and, um, I, I feel like that is the analogy that is the strongest that I can think of. <clears throat> Beautiful. And I, I just say thanks for being that voice in the midst of the chargers and screens and, and rebooting. So thank you for, for being the voice. Cause those are three very, very important words. You know, I'm a father of four goodness sakes. Of course, I see the ramifications of these rectangles, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm also, a you know, feeling it myself, Tom, your hand yeah, went up. Well yeah oh, no go ahead irony, joe the irony joe and kevin and everybody listening is never has joe's message been needed more and never has it been so difficult to get joe's message into a school right because there's schools right now i'll use the technical term they're so screwed up that they can't even take time to figure out what they're missing uh and i get it i mean they're drowning and, and education has taken a hit. We don't have very many young people going into our profession. Uh, it's a mess out there. And Joe, your message is so vital. And, and But the key is how do you get to those kids? How do you get to teachers to share that message with kids? How do we get in the door? That's what makes CADA so important in Reno. That's what makes Justin's Renaissance in Orlando so important is you got to get like-minded people together to have some energy around, we got to do better for kids. And, mm -hmm. and if you're just isolated out in Kansas, like this school I was at yesterday, it's hard because you just don't get any oomph or feedback or you don't get any juice from anybody else. And so you just try to go to survival mode, put your head down 
try to deal with crazy school board. I mean, it's nuts out there. And so yeah. the key is you got to make connections at places like CADA, Justin's Renaissance, uh, Minnesota Principals Association. You got to get people in the heart and you can't do that over Zoom or with an email blast or even writing a book, you know. So yeah. we got to keep connecting. Absolutely. And we found that, like you said, these conferences where people are coming together with like-minded people to re-energize, refuel, rethink about how they can make some small tweaks in what they're doing um, to improve a system or a practice or whatever it may be. But again, just that reminder in the heart that I'm not the only crazy one in my school or in mm -hmm. my world uh, that is out there fighting for kids and it matters. And, you know, being around like my, and there's that whole thing, we're in connection with each other. Like yeah. no virtual conference would ever replace what people are going to be doing at CATA when you're able to make eye contact and, you know, physical connection and, you know, be there live in person. Those are so critical for our professional development, but also for our personal development. Yep. yep. Some lady yesterday, some teacher yesterday, veteran teacher said, thank you for your message. Now I know I'm not hallucinating. <laughs> I'm trying every day this stuff you're doing. Yeah. I think I'm alone. I think it's worthless. I don't know if the kids are getting this. But after you left leaving now, she says, I know I'm not crazy. I right. I'm and gonna I'm stand so in the hall and high five kids and make them look up from their phone and tell them how great they are. She goes, I thought I was nuts because I look around, the people next to me aren't doing it. And then, you know, the school I left wasn't doing it. I'm not crazy. But think about the ripple effect that that one person has. So I it's go, I kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth when I say you got to do more than just a one day talk because that only goes so far. Like what you did for her in a one day talk, you know what I mean? Even if they never saw another top 20, top yeah. 20 resource is, is pretty amazing. Right. And I think people that I speak to, that you speak to our audience, they're all kind of on this spectrum themselves. And let's just say a kid or a human, an adult educator needs to hear something five times before it clicks. I think as a speaker, we don't know where they're at on their journey. We might have some people who are hearing what we're saying for the first time, and it might click 10 years down the road when they hear it a few yep. more times, but there might be some people who have heard it four times or are at a four and they just need to get to that, you know, that five and you by coming yeah. in, you get them there and man, the light bulb goes on and they, you know, become a trailblazer with their ideas and just the impact again of that one talk that you gave for that, that one person that got them to see that epiphany that they weren't hallucinating. Think about the, the ripple effect yeah, that that yeah. will have, you know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And you know, geez Louise, whenever I work with teachers or paraprofessionals or anyone in the school, I get, I get, I get refueled, but I also, I also get this wonderful, beautiful, natural th feeling of hope. And that's what I'm feeling just talking to you right now, Joe. Um, and so I want to thank you for all you do. And thank you for, for fighting for kids with your team. Um, and if you don't mind, could you just one last time clarify where folks could find you online? I'll put it in the notes, of course, but where people can find you. And if you have any specific details you want to share about your your speaking engagements at CATA, that'd be great for people yeah. to hear so we can spread that. And then we'll uh, we'll let people we'll let people go. 
So two places. Uh, number one, if they want to go to joebeckman.com, we have that site that's been set up and it just still lives there. And a lot of times that we get probably about 50% of the people that reach out to us for speaking and get engagement, they come through that. Uh, or they can go to till360.com, which speaks about what we're doing from a larger perspective, a little bit about our team, um, our curriculum, uh, and talks about some of the different resources that we have. Um, specifically for CATA, I'm so excited that I get to keynote this. There's a, a beautiful journey and um, that with this organization that helped me many years ago kind of get help get off the ground a little bit like Paul was kind of the wind behind my sails a little bit. Cata has been uh, blowing some wind in our sails for years now. So to get the keynote is incredible. Um, that will be on March 5th. I believe the, the, the conference is March 5th to March 9th. It's in Reno, Nevada. I have the opening session, which is around 6.30 in the evening. Uh, and it's going to be a little bit of everything. It's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be inspiring. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be heartfelt. Um, so we would love to see you at that conference uh, if you can make it to Reno. Um, but if you're just looking for some other resources, uh, one of the cool things is we have a couple books that you can look at our on our website. Uh, just Look Up is our first book um, that we wrote three years ago. And then at CATA, we'll be releasing book number two, which is Just Look Back. The first book is all about human connection. And the second book that we're releasing uh, after CATA uh, or at CATA is all about creating uh, legacy in cool. many ways. They're, you know, um, two different well, versions of the same book that go with each other really, really well. But yeah, so we're we're doing the the launch at the CATA keynote, which is two big things that are coming together at the same time. So we're a little bit crazy, but it's very love exciting. it, love it. Gear up, gear up, Reno and California educators. He's coming, and Tom yeah, and I'll okay, be there too. Start to stretch right now. I don't want anybody pulling a hammy in the middle of the dance portion of the the yeah. keynote. And so sign your waivers, and you should be all set. Sweet. All right, Joe, thanks so much for your time. I know time is precious, but I think this is valuable for, for our listeners. Absolutely. Tom, any last thoughts? Yeah, my takeaway is I'm not hallucinating. I now know that there's a reason you drive to Kansas and get a speeding ticket from some guy is you got to get there to get to these people. And I'm 72, Joe. I wish I had your energy, but I'm going to keep grinding for a while. So thanks for thanks for all your time with kids, and thanks for these things that we're going to share together down the road. Absolutely. I cannot wait for the continued uh, partnership and the uh, connection along the way. You guys are amazing. Beautiful. Hey, hey, listeners, just one little preview. One of our next ones is going to be with Emily Boyle. She's a student I had years ago, and she helped me teach top 20 in school because she was a student aide. And she's now a sixth-year English teacher, and she's killing it. And we're going to have her on to talk about young people in education and why, uh, why people need to get into our profession. So over and out from me. All right. Take care, everybody. Episode 42, done deal. Joe Beckman, massive thanks. I love knowing that there are people like Joe out there doing what he says he does, fighting for kids, fighting for human connections, 
pushing against the grain, doing great things. I love it. So if you're in the Reno area at the CATA convention, he's on March 5th, 6.30 p.m. for the big keynote. I will be there. I will be hooting and hollering. Can't wait. Tom and I will be presenting on the 6th at 1.30 p.m. and 2.30 p.m. covering mistake making and building healthy culture. And then again on the 8th, talking about framing and reframing how you see the world. If you're not getting the results you want to be getting, well, reframe it. Get different results. There is a way to be unstuck. So super excited. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for being along for this week's ride.